I tell people this all the time, and that is leadership is tough. It's it's mm-hmm. you know sometimes it's just not fun, and. Yeah, yeah, the person I was quoting said leadership sucks. And I was like, yeah, sometimes it does. Welcome to the Business Owner Transition Podcast, where we help you not just exit your business, but create an elite exit by maximizing value, transitioning on your terms, and most importantly, doing it all without regret. So strap in and join us for some fun, and let's go get to it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Business Owner Transition Podcast. I'm Mike Quinlan, and I've got Captain Retired, T.D. Smyers. He is an old friend and an expert in the world of leadership. He's got a podcast called A Bold Leader, which is really interesting. I encourage all of you to go out there and look at it or or listen to it. Um, and you can do that on Apple podcasts and listen, I want you to stay with us till the end of this podcast, because we're going to answer a really important question for you. And that question is this, if you were going to work on the leadership culture of your company, what is the first thing you need to work on? So hang on with us. We're going to get to that in a few minutes. Let me tell you a little bit more about uh, TD. TD is the CEO of a company called Simple Leadership Strategies. He's an executive coach. He's a former CEO of United Way in Texas and a former CEO of the American Red Cross in North Texas. And his last military leadership position was as the commanding officer of the Naval Joint Reserve Base in Fort Worth, Texas. So TD, how are you doing today? Life is good, Mike. Thanks for having me on. It's it's it's, it's great to connect with you and to chat with you a little bit today. Well, listen, I appreciate you doing that. And TD, in our last podcast, we talked a little bit about cool changes. And TD, you know, we're going to do a little offshoot here because we're going to talk about <laughs> leadership in a second. But, you know, TD did something that was pretty interesting. He After he was a CEO of a couple of these organizations, he went out there and bought a sailboat and sailed all around the Caribbean for, what was it, like a year or two years or something a like that? A couple of years. Yeah, a couple of years we were out there. Yeah. Well, well, welcome back to the mainland. Thanks. Yeah, it, 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 I got my uh, sea legs pretty quick, and I lost them pretty quick when we came back. So it's, uh, it, uh, it's good to be back on terra firma. Two great years that helped uh, my wife and I grow together a lot. I wouldn't trade them for anything. And, you know, everybody decides when you're going to, take that time some people wait too long and we didn't want to be uh trying to go sailing when we weren't physically able to do it anymore so for us it was the right time and uh and then it was just the right amount of time and now we're ready to come back i think we got it out of our system for a little bit <laughs> well listen i i lived vicariously through you for two years on facebook so uh, <laughs> yeah it was all good well listen I, I want to talk a little bit about a recent podcast you did called the anthrax crucible So the Anthrax Crucible is about two similar organizations with very different leadership cultures that handled a defining moment in their organization in two different ways with very, very different outcomes. And, you know, TD and I were both in the same place at the time. I was across the street and I was uh, in uh, in a training unit that helped train all of these people that we're going to talk about. So, TD, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Anthrax Crucible? Yeah, thanks, Mike. It was, uh, it was an exciting time um, for me, too, but 
being able to put it on the podcast and uh, on the, the blog. And by the way, I mean, this is something I've shared with American Universities Leadership Program, uh, with MBA classes at Texas Christian University in, in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, and it's the reason that it's such a perfect case study is, as you described, these were two squadrons, same aircraft they flew, the same amount of aircraft, the same mission, the same demographics, they had the same geography. They, they were actually located even in the same hangar, so they shared the same building. Um, and how many times in leadership do we say, you know, leadership and culture are everything? It, they make all the difference. And and but as far as the proof to back that up, sometimes it can be difficult to come by because so many other factors affect the success of different companies. Uh, in this case, the only thing that made these squadrons different was their leadership and the culture that that leadership developed over the months and years prior to this defining event. Um, the defining event was the requirement for every sailor in the squadron to take the anthrax vaccine series. It was a six-shot series against anthrax because both of these squadrons were being ordered uh, to operate in the Korean area of responsibility, and North Korea was believed to have weaponized anthrax. So the requirement for force protection was everybody's got to be vaccinated against it. Well, Mandatory vaccines weren't more popular back then than they are now, and, and the, the Internet was just kind of ramping up. And so there was a lot of information out there uh, that made people really fearful of taking this vaccine. And, you know, in case some folks listening to this podcast think, yeah, but you guys were in the military, right? The commander says take the shot and everybody just rolls up their sleeves and takes the shot. These were reserve squadrons, so the vast majority of air crew that were flying those aircraft were reservists or part-timers, essentially volunteers. So they had uh, served some time in the active duty, then they had left and gone and created civilian careers, electing to come back and work on a part-time basis as reservists and use those skills that the Navy had taught them. Uh, and so they got paid to do that periodically. Um, but what the, the most important part of this is they could leave anytime they wanted to. So it wasn't like they had to do things. They had to do things to continue to drill, but they didn't have to continue to drill. So we were faced with a situation where the squadrons had to train their air crew as teams. They had to gain their qualifications as teams and take them to Korea as teams. And if anybody on that team changed, then the certifications and for that crew, the qualifications for the, that crew were were invalid. So it was crucially important for leadership to get this right. Uh, and you know, like like's been said, you you go to war with the army you have, not the army you want. So there's no just in time training to develop a culture of trust. You go in with what you've got and you try to get the job done as leaders and. Uh, uh, the anthrax crucible tells that story about you know how these two squadrons did uh, and what they did and uh, and what the results were. Yeah, and it's a great story, and it, it's not one that we can tell the whole story on this particular podcast. But what would you say was the key or defining moment in how both of those squadrons handled this particular issue? Sure. Well, there's a case to be made, and, and I've even had this conversation that even if these squadrons had done the same stuff tactically, had elected to handle the anthrax requirement the same way, that there would have been different results because the level of trust that was resident in the cultures of the two squadrons were that different. Um, 
that there's that there's there's um uh, that could be true. However, to drive the point home even more, the decisions, the tactical decisions that the leaders made were very different. They weren't the same, and they were different because those cultures led them to make different decisions. So, to your point, uh, you know, it's, it's it's often said that the top leader sets the tone, and uh, in this case, the squadrons were. And conversing with each other, they were talking with each other, trying to kind of get together on how we might approach it. And it was decided by one squadron that they would break the news to their sailors using an expert from Washington who could come in and had all the information at their disposal and would present that uh, to their sailors at an all-hands meeting where everybody got together. The other squadron said, well, we, we believe that our flight surgeon has developed a trust relationship with our sailors. I mean, you had if you were an air crewman, you had to go see the flight surgeon every year for your flight physical. And uh, so the, the second squadron decided to use the flight surgeon to present the information, you know, gather all the information he could, and as a trusted medical profession, provide that to the sailors. Uh, the, the, at the meeting where this happened, uh, the results were very diametrically opposed. One squadron didn't have a trust relationship with this person that was coming in, providing them all this uh, information. And they, because they didn't trust him, they looked at it kind of dubiously. They said, well, this guy, of course, this guy has to tell us that, right? He's coming in with this slick presentation and all these polished facts, and he's giving us this, but we don't believe what he's saying because he's from Washington. And uh, conversely, the other squadron got to hear it from their, their trusted flight surgeon, and it was a much more stable approach. Uh, but this all hand set, it set the stage for what I think was the pivotal moment. And that's when the first squadron's commanding officer stood up and was one of the most vocal opponents of the vaccine requirement. Now, when the CEO of an organization is going to stand up and vocally oppose working with another company or structuring a certain way, the odds of that being successful are very good, and, and it was the same way here. When the commanding officer stood up and, and, and expressed discontent, then that just set off a, a tidal wave of discontent with the rest of the squadron. So the second squadron, however, uh, the commanding officer stepped forward while the flight surgeon was talking to the squadron, uh, rolled up his sleeve. The rest of the top leadership team stood up with him, rolled up their sleeves, and a corpsman gave all of them the first shot. So before a single sailor was asked to take a shot, the commanding officer and the other top leaders in the squadron took the shot themselves. And uh, I believe that was the fork in the road that really set the, uh, the rest of the story in motion. So it's the proverbial lead from the front type. Lead- yeah, man. Yeah. Lead by example. A key word that you that you threw out there was trust. And it is something I think that we all as leaders have to establish with our organizations because, you know, too much uncertainty in this world. And people will will yield to uncertainty if they don't trust the leadership that's in front of them. And look, you know, look at the turnover problems that we have right now with with our employees and our ability to attract and retain good people. Organizations must build a leadership and management structure that uh, is interdependent on each other and that the employees of the company can truly depend on. So, you have a list of attributes that you teach in your practice that that yield or or, or can improve leadership skills. What are those ten, those attributes? So uh, 
as an executive leader, I work with top-level executives to lead their organizations, focusing on their character, their competence, which everybody understands, but also their clarity. They have to be clear of the vision of the organization going forward. And there are 10 key leadership traits that we focus on that are aligned with that character and competence development. And most of them aren't a surprise. They're things like authenticity, drive, courage, trustworthiness, integrity, and openness. Other ones, maybe they're, they're ones that, that uh, maybe folks don't understand are critically important to a leader. And those are empathy, humility, transparency, and curiosity. And a lot of times I'll be questioned about that. Humility. How many leaders do you know that are actually humble? Well, actually, the ones that change the world <laughs> tend, yeah. tend to be that way. And, you know, in, in your in your uh, in your descriptions earlier, you know, of being able to uh, understand where your team is going and, to, and to, when you're using words like they, you know, you're you want the team to take ownership of the direction of the company. And because then when their oar is in the water, they're stroking with everything they've got because it's part theirs. You know, they have that, that, uh, that, that loyalty and that, that connectedness to the mission of the organization. So uh, with uh, my work as a executive coach, I focus that on those kind of things for the top leader. And then uh, at Simple Leadership Strategies, we do training for what we call leaders at every level. Uh, and it's a cultural it's a cultural change model when you can take your managers and help them be a better managers by executing these 10 traits, but also developing in them a quiver full of leadership arrows that they can now use as they grow into leaders. Uh, and that tends, by the way, to grow your uh, retention phenomenally because now you've got people that, that are growing within an organization. People often want to grow, right, so they can get to the next level and promote and, and provide for their families better. So uh, retention goes up in organizations that master these kind of things that uh, we just talked about. Yeah, so it also the value of the organization can dramatically improve as well. So think of it this way. We are trying to create these elite exits for our clients and our students, elite exits are maximizing transaction value, doing it on your terms and doing it without regret. The two critical pieces of that formula are transaction value and doing it on your terms. And the leadership team and management team are critical in establishing increased value, but also critical in establishing that ability to leave on your terms. If you have a high quality management team, then the acquirer is much less likely to ask you to stay around for any length of time, which most owners, they're ready to go. They're ready to go do like you did and go get on that boat, and get around <laughs> the Caribbean, you know? Yeah, man. Well, your checklist is a smart checklist. You know, the I'm good checklist. And, and you know, we, we've talked a lot about the M right? The management piece and how important it is that that's aligned. So that's a pretty cool thing that you guys got going. Oh, we appreciate that. And uh, you just said that you great segue. It's like I paid you to do this or something, but uh, <laughs> and, and yeah. you didn't. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you and I'll drink a beer together next time we see you. But uh, alignment is key, right? So you can have talented executives, but if they're not aligned to the mission vision of the organization, 
and able to develop and measure the strategies that are required to carry out that mission and vision, then you just have a bunch of really good people that are going in different directions. And yeah. I know that you see that when you go into these companies. So how do you how do you talk to people about that? Well, oh, we see it all the time. And, you know, the creating alignment within an organization, beginning with your vision, your mission, and either a set of values or a set of guiding principles. Some organizational cultures lean one way or another in, in terms of how they like to kind of outline the day-to-day operations. But, uh, and you said it very succinctly, man, you know, without that alignment, you can have the highest talented individuals in your entire industry. But unless you've got them stroking with an oar in, in uh, you know, with their oar in the water with 100% of their effort, then your ship isn't going to go straight. Um, you and I were both navigators in the Navy. And, and if your course is off one degree when you leave the East Coast of the United States heading for Europe, you wind up in Africa. <laughs> you're, you're on a different continent. So um, having that alignment so that your, uh, your high power players are doing what you pay them to do, but doing it in alignment with a set of, uh, with a vision and a mission that you're, that you've communicated to them clearly with clarity. Um, then that's, that's becomes crucially important to the success and the value uh, of an organization. Yeah. And I think that you, uh, you said something really interesting earlier and I tell people this all the time and that is leadership is tough. It's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's just not fun. And yeah, yeah the person I was quoting said leadership sucks. And I was like, yeah, sometimes it does, man. That's right. That's, and I always tell people that's why they pay you the big bucks, right? You, you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, sometimes well, you have to lead, right? And sometimes, and that oftentimes means you have to lead uh, when it's unpopular, right? Um, nobody wanted to take the anthrax vaccine in those two squadrons. Nobody was happy about it, and many people were very fearful of it. So um, the reason, matter of fact, we talked about this a little bit earlier, the reason I call my blog uh, a bold leader, and that's actually what I call my coaching practice too, is because boldness is something that I've seen demonstrated by all the leaders I know who have made a difference in my life, who have changed their industry, or who have changed the world. Um, they've all had different character traits uh, in their leadership styles, but boldness is their common trait. And you know, sometimes you're going to encounter situations where the rules haven't yet been written, or the rules are now anachronistic. They've been written for a situation that existed a while back. I mean, with the, with the pace technology is changing us right now, we have a lot of rules that are outdated. And so bowl leaders uh, will step outside of them and create new ones um, with the way that they lead. Well, yeah, I, and look at some the examples that I give are, are three major defining moments in U.S. history and the leaders that uh, that brought those about and the first one is is apple computer right and the challenge that steve jobs gave to his leadership team to create something wildly different to create something that was totally aligned with their mission statement um, about people's ability to use and benefit from technology when he made that challenge to his team, that bold challenge, they came out with the iPhone. Change the way everybody does business today. So an amazing, amazing challenge that led to an amazing result. The 
previous one in history was putting a man on the moon. And the president, President Kennedy, walked into NASA and said to them, hey, listen, you guys have all of these missions and you have all of these goals and you have all of these objectives, but you know what? None of them are aligned and we are spending billions of dollars on you guys. There's only one thing I want you to do. I challenge you to put a man on the moon by the end of this decade. Yep. Sure enough, they did it. We did. Yep. You know, and then and, and go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, the way you described it is impressive, and it uses that they right that that this was the emphasis on the teams to do this. This was the emphasis on 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 NASA. It was you guys. You know, put them out on the moon by the end of the decade. Kennedy didn't know how that was going to happen. He didn't need to. He just needed to set that you know big hairy goal up there, that audacious goal, that bold goal, uh, and they got there. The same thing with the your iPhone example is is an awesome one. I remember my wife and I talking when the i the iPad came out. We're thinking, what is it, what good is this? Who needs an iPad? You have an iPhone, or you have a, a, a laptop or a computer. Who, who needs it? Well, they they created an industry <laughs> that we didn't even know we wanted. Right. No feasibility study was going to say that that was something that was needed. They created that industry, you know, based on that boldness. Right. I had a talk with a, with one of my students this week and he posed a problem to me. He said, Hey, listen, this is, this is what I'm trying to accomplish over the next two years. And I listened to him and he laid out all the personal professional reasons that he wanted to, to do this and, and make this change. And at the end of it, I looked at him and he was kind of looking at me and I just kind of said to him, I said, well, who other than me, have you told this to? And he said, well, I haven't told it to anybody. (laughs) And I said, do you think that the management team of your company has the creativity, the ingenuity and the ability to design this plan and execute it for you? And he said, uh, he said, yeah, I think they do. I said, challenge them. Yeah, man. You know, this is your job as a leader is to challenge your people to be able to be better than they are singularly to be better as a team and create unbelievable outcomes. Yep. And, and, and he was the only person that could have done that. So, you know, your team is focusing on what they're, what you hired them to focus on. Right. Um, I, I tell this to executives all the time. If you're not looking over the horizon, if you're not planning beyond what you can see in front of you, nobody else in your organization is. So that means nobody is. <laughs> so you're, you're a ship without a rudder, man. That's right. And, uh, and it's, it's great. All right. So I love it. A bold leader podcast. Now I've got to get you to answer the question that we posed at the very beginning. So if I'm a business owner and I'm listening to this podcast and I am like super excited and challenged to go out there and work on my leadership and management culture, what is the first thing that I should do, TD? <laughs> well, first thing is you need to have your own your clarity in, in terms of what you're trying to get done. Uh, besides besides to- hiring you, of course. You, you, so that means call me. Don't have to get that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, you, you, you've got to have clarity going forward, and you've and you've got to be authentic. Um, I think um, you know, leaders we talk about are all different, and um, you're, you, when you establish yourself as a leader, you don't try to become somebody else. 
you're just the best leader you can possibly be with the set of skills you've been gifted with. And uh, that authenticity will, uh, will take you a long way. So is that what you're looking for, Mike? That's it, man. So clarity <laughs> and authenticity are the first things that, that you should be, first of all, working on on your own leadership, but then also encouraging from your your executive team. And, you know, how do you do that, right? Well, the first thing you got to do is talk to them about it, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, um, communication. And so you brought that in, that, that point up earlier with the executive you were talking about. Have you told anybody about this? Um, who You know, have you, have you laid down that challenge? Um, I'm amazed at the number of executives that through a lack of something, either either communication skills or maybe even traces back to that boldness that we've been talking about. Don't take that next step. Uh, don't take that that step to to drop the glove, right? To lay down the challenge like Kennedy did to NASA, and uh, but uh, yeah, making sure that uh, that your your team is aligned with the strategies that you've come up together or that they that they joined uh, is is pretty imperative. And being a great communicator is crucial to that. Well, TD, I appreciate the time that you spent with us today. Everybody, it's a bold leader podcast and you can reach TD directly through the website. Why don't you go ahead and give that to him? Sure. Uh, go to aboldleader.com spelled just like it sounds with the A in front, aboldleader.com. And uh, there's some links in there to, to, to uh, send me an email directly or you can just send it to TD at aboldleader.com. That works too. Yeah. And so listen, if you are out there listening to the podcast and you want to get more information on this and all of the other areas to help you create that elite exit and enter that 3%, then give us a call directly at thebusinessowneracademy.com. Or what you can do is take a look at the website. We have an April class that is starting with our live cohort. That's a live cohort that we allow 10 owners to come in person. If uh, you want to be remote, we, we allow that as well. But these cohorts pace through the syllabus together. And uh, they learn all of the baseline information that it takes to be aware about what you need to do with your business to kind of get to that elite exit. So that's the businessowneracademy.com. And once again, businessowneracademy.com. TD, thanks again. We appreciate you coming in and helping our, helping our listeners achieve that elite exit. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. You got it, brother. I'll talk to you next time. We'll get a beer. Join us at the Business Owner Transition Academy, where we provide education and consulting to business owners in pursuit of that elite exit. You can find us at theowneracademy.com. That's theowneracademy.com. And remember, don't just exit your business. Create an elite exit with the Business Owner Transition.